G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys had an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember, be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to a bevy of bloods. I'm your host, Noddy, and today I'm joined once again by Chris. G'day, Chris. How you going, mate? Good, Noddy. We've got a lot to talk about this week. We certainly do. In this episode number 32, we're going to be reviewing the Swannies round three game. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a definitely biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Last Thursday night, our Sydney Swans were defeated by the Western Bulldogs by 11 points with a final score of 9-17-71 to 9-6-60. Okay, mate, first impressions, what did you think of that? Oof, well, it was a tough game of football to watch <laughs> from every angle. Um, the, the Look, football from Sydney wasn't particularly grand, uh, as we'll talk about and, and try to dissect. Um, the kicking by the Bulldogs just kept us in the game, and that was a bit shocking to watch. Uh, poor, poor performance by the umpires, as far as we can tell. We'll talk about that as well. And, yeah, look, not the best game of football to watch. And, um, and talking to some of the fans on the way out of the stadium, uh, the commentary was there as well. Everyone was kind of considering why they got out on a Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, clearly some um, emotional hangovers going on by our, our boys from the week before. So uh, I think we can take away from that. And I, I think it's um, – I think we could take away a positive note and that that's probably the worst game we've played for a long time. And I think that's more a positive than a negative. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair call. Um, that's right. You went down there, didn't you? Um, you had a good time in general? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I went down for work and got out for to watch the game. Um, but yeah, Marvel is an interesting stadium. It's seemingly seemingly perpetually always half built. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, the, the fans were the fans were, that were there were in pretty good stead. So all in all, yeah, good. good Loving the look day. of those cup holders in the back in the back of the seat there. Hey, oh mate, like ten out of ten. If you're going to take anything away from Marvel, you're going to be saying that the cup holders behind the the seats were ten out of ten. <laughs> awesome. All right, mate. As you said, we'll, we're going to we're going to dig into the free kicks later. But look, you you just can't kick one goal in a whole half and expect to win, right? I think the someone one of the commentators said that there was our equal worst half under Longmire. You know, and we've been very successful under Horse. Um, so that just goes to show, as you said, one of the worst games we've seen in a long time. And that is a positive. I agree with you. Um, in a nutshell, tight zone defensive structure forced us to kick long. Dogs flooded the contest. They scrapped their way to win most contests. They are plus 24 in contested possessions and plus 15 in ground ball gets. The only reason, as you've, as you've already said, we were really kept in the game um, was by their inaccuracy. Uh, but I will say that it, was, it seemed to be a game of halves. So the Western Bulldogs had plus 11 free kicks in the first half and won that first half by 25 points. Then in the, in the second half, Western Bulldogs only had plus seven free kicks in the second half, but we won that by 14 points. So to me, that shows that, yeah, there was a shocking second and third uh, quarter run of 
dubious free kicks, free kick calls. Yeah. But we were more in the game in the second half than we were in the first. And we, we just got to be in the game for all quarters, for both halves. That's really that's really it for me. Um, how about for your key takeaways, mate? What do you think in general? Yeah, look, the first thing I kind of considered just watching it over and watching it live, it kind of felt way more frustrating but the skill errors by some skillful players i think yeah yeah you know there was a lot of kicks that were just overdone way too hot uh, over the hands and over the fingers of some of the players um those are kicks that normally some really good players of ours hit them on the chest um the handballs were undercooked for some reason they just hit didn't hit the mark didn't hit the guy on the run um a little bit too behind them a little bit too forward it's just so we just couldn't quite get a roll on. We couldn't just get the ball moving from outside of those stoppages. So they really controlled those stoppages, and I think the stats will show that. But even when we did get the option to kind of do something with it, um, we just fumbled it on the way out. We just gave them more opportunities to kind of move the ball and then just more opportunities to put pressure on us. So that was, um, for me, a big takeaway. Um, I really felt that that was where most of the game we kind of let up, where we had the options to win the game. Um, and we kind of uh, didn't really take it on. Um, the pressure by the dogs were incredible, um, mm. and which is just their style of play. And it's kind of, I mean, it's not good to see from the other side, but it's good to see them kind of um, getting into that again. Uh, so, well, they had a lot to play for, didn't they? They were zero and two, so they, this yeah. there was a lot on the line for them. And I think they really stepped up. But Tim English was, like, was pretty good. Oh, mate, Tim English, incredible. So I know you've been quite big on Tim English for some time, mm. um, ever since he almost ran down Ollie Florent uh, <laughs> yeah. going for a goal some, yeah. what, a couple of years ago. So yeah. the guy's got some legs and he moved around really well and he you know, took a mad specky off Buddy and so his confidence was very high and he, he carried that through the entire game. So, yeah, good on him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw some stats. Um, the Western Bulldogs, you know, like in a general sense, it was pretty even, um, but there was there's a theme that comes out and you've already touched on. It's to do with pressure and, and the contest. Um, so Western Bulldogs had plus 10 inside 50s, plus 24 contested possessions, plus nine clearances, uh, plus 15 ground ball gets, plus 15 tackles. And in terms of scoring shots, so we're talking about inaccuracy. Um, I think we were a bit inaccurate as well. It's just we didn't have as many opportunities going in. Um, we were, you know, minus 10 inside 50s. But, um, you know, they had 26 scoring shots, 917. But there were five of those were rushed behind. So I, I take them out when I look, look at this. So they had 21 scoring shots. So they scored nine goals from 21. That's a 42% conversion rate. Us, on the other hand, we also had two rush behinds. So our 9-6 becomes 9-5. So 13 scoring shots. So nine from 13 is 69. percent So we were, we 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 we've been playing like we've been playing. We, we're not getting as many inside 50s, but we're we're countering that with um, accuracy um, and uh, efficiency in front of goal. It's just in a game like this when there's so much pressure, we probably needed to get it inside 50 more often, um, and have players like you know Buddy and Heaney you know, hit hit their targets. I mean, we, we, you know, the Bulldogs missed a lot of gettable goals. I, I wrote them all out one by one and, and went through it. Was that gettable? Wasn't it? Mm. Um, I think at least half of the, 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 the taking out the rush behinds, probably half of them were gettable. So yeah. it very easily could have been a bloodbath. They, they really had the yips. Like some mm. of the goals that kind of 50-50 gettable, like a, a goal from 35 out with no angle or, or, or a low angle is in all fairness by any forward a gettable goal and probably should be a goal nine times out of ten. Yeah. 
it really felt like they didn't take those chances. Like those goals that, you know, that, that sharper kick that they could have had just wasn't there. I mean, uh, Waitman probably yeah. kicked, a, kicked a couple of shockers, but also kicked a couple of beauties along the way. Yeah. But one thing for our team is that we that the backs did do was kind of not really give them too easy goals from standing right in front or in, right in the box. Um, a couple, like a couple, they got behind us a couple of times, but you know, you can kind of take away a few decent things away from it and that they, they didn't have, they like they, they kicked 17 behinds for crying out loud. Mm. Um, and, a, and a portion of those were because of the, the angles that the kick out and the opportunities that we kind of uh, didn't let them have. So yeah, you know, we, we, we walk away from this with some optimism. Um, but one thing I would want to touch on, and I think we should on behalf of all the Swans fans, is the free kicks. Happy to, mate. Happy yeah, to. You know, I've been, I've been very vocal about this over the years. So I, I thought I owed it to not only myself but the other um, Swans fans. And I think we're talking uh, before we started recording, we realised this week very clearly that there's two types of, let's say, AFL fans, right? They're the ones who see the free kick count and 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 you know, cry bloody murder and fair call. And that there are those fans that see it and say, so what? And look, I think there's merit to both of those camps. I do. But in the study that I did, I, I, I saw someone on one of the groups say, you know, since 2016, this has been the stats. So I thought I just wanted to dig into that a little bit more. Um, you know, since season 2016, the Sydney Swans have played the Western Bulldogs nine times, including the grand final in 2016. From those nine games, Western Bulldogs have won six times. We have won three times. From those nine games, the free kick count has been won once by Sydney in 27-19 by plus nine differential, drawn once, 22 each in 2019, and won seven times by the Bulldogs. Hmm. From our six losses, we have always lost the free kick count. As a, again, the closest was the draw, the drawn count in 2019. From our three wins... We have lost the free kick count twice and won it once. So here are the there, here are our three wins over the past um, how many how many years is that four six six or so years right? Um, season twenty one round seventeen lost the free kick count differential of minus thirteen. Played at Marvel, but we won by nineteen points last year. Remember Jordan Dawson was awesome. Yep. Yep. Um, 2018, round four, lost the free kick count uh, again. Differential of minus thirteen again at Marvel, but won by seven. Uh, 2021 round 17 won the free kick count uh, plus nine. Uh, that's not right. That year's not right. Sorry, that's a typo. I'll double check that. It was earlier. Um, I want to say round 2017 probably. Um, but we won by plus nine differential, played at the SCG and won by 46 points. So here are my takeaways, mate. We can win against the Western Bulldogs even when we play away. We can win against the Western Bulldogs even when we lose the free kick count. Our biggest win, plus 46 points, came from playing at home and winning the free kick count. Aside from the 2016 grand final, minus 12, still brings a tear to my eye. Um, We have been able to win games even when we lose the free kick count by up to a differential of 13. However, we're 66% more likely to lose when we lose or draw the free kick count when we play against the Western Bulldogs. Sure. Look, this is – and also while we're at it, um, the Swans fans that put all this on Facebook, they made a really good assessment. Of his name was um, – I'm going to bugger up this last name. John uh, Sotsikos. Um, 
so he did a really good job of just breaking down uh, since t- 2016 all the free kicks um, and, and, and the games we'd played and the differentials between them. I think he looked at the percentages, um, right, and the the yeah the likely the, like the likelihood of winning or losing, but yeah, and also the league averages and how we determine on the back of that. So mm. look, the way that I look at that, and, and this is me on a general sense. This is not just me on AFL, but generally, I kind of feel that with numbers you can kind of draw any conclusion you want to a certain extent. Um, if you're looking to find the numbers to um, agree with your, you know, your, your your ideas or your theories, then you'll find a way to make that happen. And what what the numbers don't really do for any anyone doesn't does gives no context to is the style of football that the Bulldogs play and had played for that period of time. Um, and I guess what we saw as well is that our guys, yeah, sure, some of the umpiring decisions were pretty ordinary, but we can go through them one by one if we need to. But what we're not really talking about is the style of play that they're doing and that we, our guys sometimes needed to cheat a little bit. They needed to put that extra you know, hand over or a bit, of a, a bit of a tug or something in order to just get that extra little bit of percentage to try to win that contest that they just weren't winning because we just weren't quite sharp enough or the dogs just played that extra bit better. So they just kind of snowboard into um, them winning the free kick count, and then there were there's I think there's no doubt there's a couple of absolute howlers on the uh, on the umpiring front. It just added to this this frustration, and we all walk away from this thinking that was a really really bad umpired game, and then we all frustrated and we start blaming umpires. I I think we more need to look at the team rather than the umpires. But sure, absolutely there was some absolute joker joker of calls there. When case. you think about it, mate, like. Um it was really the second and the third quarter, um, and I'm just pulling out my my non my handwritten notes here. The differential was the biggest difference was in the second and the third quarter. Um, it was here it is um, nine to one or nine to two in the in the third, and then same in the in the second nine to one or two. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of retroactive uh, correction there by Champion Data, but. The, the other thing is that we actually had our best quarter in in the third. We kick four straight. Yeah. We're 100% accurate, and that's the quarter that gets us in the game. So my point um, earlier was I wanted to go through and, and I wasn't really trying to say one thing or another. I'm just like looking at the results from since we played in 2016 and drawing like nothing premeditated but just mm-hmm. simple conclusions and what I what I think here is that we actually had a chance to win because they were inaccurate it wasn't really the free kick count that that made us win or lose i mean sure it'd be better if we had a bit a, a bit more of a a run through the ground when we didn't get those those calls in the second and third quarter mm-hmm. but it wasn't really the thing that that stopped us, you know, and I actually went through in the first half of the game and did and looked at every single free kick and um, what it was, who who it went to, what for, what was the consequence, the immediate cons- consequence. Like so, sometimes it was a uh, led to a inside fifty or set shot on goal and then a goal, mm-hmm. or other times it was just general play. Um, and you know, their free kicks didn't always lead to like game winning moments, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and are y- you actually <laughs> lifesaver? I'd done the first half and it was I was like this is taking me forever and and you sent me four photos of a of a non of like an unbiased um Twitter account that had already done it for me and I was like this is bloody brilliant yeah there's a Twitter account called for everyone at home who just wants to check it out and it's it's actually quite good I I I back it 100% mm. it's it's at has ump stuff up on Twitter 
Um, they basically go through all of the calls, the 50-50 calls that um, the, the community basically asks to have a look at. Um, and they pick some of those and they just address it and try to work out whether that's a true call or not. They did a pretty good analysis of the whole thing and they walked away from it saying, despite um, a couple of howlers there and despite the, the whole community screaming for um, the ums to be replaced on the spot, um, they kind of walked away from it thinking, yeah, there was a few bad ones, but it kind of they all kind of seemed 50-50 in the end. Um, and from, on a general sense, it was adjudicated poorly, but fairly if you, if you catch my drift. So 50-50 in the middle, but... Um, it was still a pretty ordinary show by the umpires. So mm. that took away from that. On your point, Noddy, it, it really comes down to, um, you know, the, the, the call doesn't necessarily make, make a problem. It's how they carry on after it, right? It's how they, they progress with the ball after that, what they do with it afterwards. And as you mentioned, the consistency of consistency of adjudication though would be nice. The consistency it would hundred percent. You know, nice. there was a dangerous of, tackle, right? Warner. I mean, Liber did yeah. that twice throughout the game. Yeah, like the it, same there's action. No, there, there's no doubt in my mind, and I think in the community that it was a poorly umpired game. But I guess what maybe what you're saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm what I'm definitely saying is that wasn't the reason why we lost. Mm. Um, it wasn't nice. It wasn't pretty. It made from a very ordinary game of football. But um, it gives it gives Swans fan it. an easy out to comp- so this is this is why this is why I wanted to do this study again mm-hmm. and that's why we've we've both gone okay there's a couple of types of AFL fans it's mm-hmm. easy to latch onto a clear like a very big stat difference um, especially something as emotionally driven as free kicks when we lose but last year we lost the free kick count free kick count and won by 19 so we weren't really complaining about it then right mm-hmm. so right. yeah it, that's the trend I think but. Um, I will say thank you for sharing that Twitter account because it was completely unbiased. Like I was like, was, they missed yeah. this kick out, the free kick to the Swans, this one, this one. But those guys were good because they, they they did both sides. It was really cool. Um, and I will finish this up here and say, other than the Swans and Western Bulldogs focus, after at the end of round three, Western Bulldogs are sitting first on free kick differential, plus 30, and we're sitting dead last on yep. minus 21. Yep. They're well, averaging... Seven free kicks a quarter, and we're getting four free quick free kicks a quarter. That's so. right. Our, our game, whatever it is that's going on, I think it was just mostly this game. They just drove us into the ground there. But we are we have hit rock bottom in this. So we need to look at this from a couple of different angles. Like as you mentioned, you can either look at it from assuming the umpires has there's some kind of conspiracy. Which <laughs> I'm not I ruling out. I'm not ruling out. I'm just <laughs> especially 2016. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, we can we can talk about it another time. I, I would think we they were plus 99 that, that year, Chris. Yeah, they were plus 99 <laughs> differential. Yeah, well, ridiculous. Okay. We can we can talk about the conspiracy another time. I'll put my tinfoil hat on and we can go on about it, <laughs> or we can, or we can kind of look at it and go, what is it about our game style and the way that we play is forcing umpires week in week out, different umpires to make calls against us. So it's not just us though; it's it's, it's Bulldogs against many other teams. So yeah, it's I think this is more of a an AFL question mm. for like when the Bulldogs play. You know, and so, but, you know, the other thing is, you know, it's going to be the same for every other club like we've realized, you know, sometimes you win the free kick count and you lose. Sometimes you win it. Sorry. Sometimes you lose it and you win. You're less likely to complain in the latter. And we're complaining because it's the former this week. And, and we're, we're we're emotionally connected to the experience to the nightmare of 2016 and the Western Bulldogs. Yeah. Like it did, it did not help make this game any tastier for us because we, not only did we walk away seeing our team play, Ordinarily, we saw the Bulldogs really beat us in places that we shouldn't have 
Yeah. All contested positions, it's like 50, all that kind of stuff. But what we, we weren't doing, but the umpires did not help us. They, they, and so we walk away from this feeling absolutely deflated. And so we just think, assume that the whole world is coming down to get us. And the truth of it is, I think that we have some young players that just absolutely showed it. We've had some old players that looked a bit shell-shocked and a bit drained. Yeah. Maybe a few mini tequilas after Buddy's big one. Maybe a few, <laughs> few too many head rubs by most of the, the Swans fans. They've uh, all got mild concussion. Uh, mate, mild concussion. I put it, I put it to you right. now, though. If we had snatched that game mm. and with the free kick count as lopsided as it was and some of those key stats around stoppages and contest, we'd be laughing. Oh, we'd, yeah. be absol- we'd be like, we didn't deserve it. You know, I feel bad for the, the Bulldogs. That's what we'd be saying, I reckon. But, yeah, and, and the Bulldogs did the best that they possibly could. They couldn't have done more to yeah. try to give us that game. Yeah, I know. Genuinely could not have. But, hey, thanks, Bulldogs, I guess, for <laughs> trying really hard to give us a crack at it. We didn't take it, and a couple of umpiring calls at the wrong times just didn't work our way. And also, we gave away a couple of free kicks in the wrong time, in the wrong moments, a.k.a. weeks, um, when we started putting some momentum and just didn't give us a chance to actually finish it off. So, yeah, hey, I think what we really need to do and what I, what we are all about here and, and the two of us and the Bevy crew generally, uh, so we're all about kind of learning from the experience. What did we see? How do we take emotion out of it and actually see what, how to apply um, the team and, and what, what happened with the game and actually what we can take away from it? And I, I, I personally think that we, we've got a couple of changes to make in the team, but nothing too drastic. Mm. Um, and what it basically shows me is that we've got a couple of things that we need to fix. And mm. one of those things that we probably need to fix, and we'll go through it um, maybe a little bit, would be um, coming out of the our defensive half. Coming out of the deep defense at the game was pretty ordinary. We did not move the ball fast. The the dogs locked up every opportunity we had. We could not get a run in. Uh, we couldn't get like someone scooting past and try to get some extra mileage. Um, Blakey had a good game, but he kind of seemed like he was playing more in front of the ball than behind it, like he might do some other times. Um, we in the Blakey position as well. He did have a good game, and he, we've determined no spoiler. We've determined he was probably the better, better player on the day. Mm. But his game does – sorry, his impact into those inside 50s, he had a real game inside 50s, but his real impact is for us to get it around the centres then to have that run on, to wing, swing it through and then get it real deep into our 50. Mm. 50s were quite shallow. Um, if they were 50s, you know, Buddy was tagged by two, three different people. Um, we got Which is not uncommon. They, we, we see that a lot. We just no. I think it was the ground ball gets then. They were killing us there as well. Yeah, um, exactly. We, we were probably too tall in that aspect, which is something, another um, point we can kind of talk about. So there was a lot of things that I, I weren't happy about coming out of defensive line um, that we, although we stopped the ball really well, we're doing a really good job of stopping the ball in our side. But then thereafter, the first three weeks, I've been talking about it for the first two weeks, and this week again, just seemed really disorganized jumping out of it. Yeah, it's the um, intercepts. Intercept game is good. The beautiful. rebound game is a bit dicey at the moment. A little so bit dicey. Yeah, we're missing um, a McInerney, missing a couple of other pieces there. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, let's crack on a favorite moments, mate, or miss chances because you often sure. do miss chances when you when you have a loss, but. Uh, what what were your favourite moments or a few things that happened in the game individually and as a team? Yeah, look, it was a bit tough. It's a bit tough uh, on a big loss like this one. So to 
come away with a lot of things that went great. Um, it was easier last week, wasn't it? <laughs> much easier last week. I mean, there was a pretty obvious thing. Uh, but Paddy's effort around the ground was quite good. Yeah. I think the, the stats on AFL.com are telling us that he's done 22Ks at the game. Steve-O just, is just not having it, is he? Steve-O, like... <laughs> the, 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 the Finnish Viking, has shut that down entirely. He's, he's, not, he's suggesting that if that was the truth, then... Uh, Paddy McCartan was online to uh, run a world full, mar- marathon. full marathon. Yeah. yeah, marathon. So he's just like that doesn't make any sense. So, um, but nonetheless, it seemed like he was getting around the, the ground really well. He's in the right positions. Stopped a couple um, uh, in the square. Um, he yeah in the box. Sorry, and yeah took a great couple of uh, marks. Double teaming a couple of people that seemed more dangerous than his opponent. Um, so yeah, generally I, I liked the way that Paddy played just across across the entire game, quite consistent. Mm. Um, had a couple of calls against him that were a bit dodged that I wasn't particularly happy about. Oh, so I hope he too. can shake them off. So yeah, the other one was Heaney's mark. I think it was Franklin that kicked it out into the pocket bit deep franklin like could have done a little bit shallower uh, oh yeah Heaney, Heaney ran into the wall at that point but yep. yeah that that was lovely Heaney was busting busting gut to get to that ball made an incredible mark and then finished it off um so that was really nice to see um on a general team effort a uh, team moment i guess would be just the way we did bounce back mm-hmm. um we did look shell-shocked in that first half second half i felt that we really started pulling it together Mm. Um, and we, the, the players that needed to quite started doing, I think a lawyer started playing a better Warner. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about them, but on a general sense, I kind of was happy the way we, we reacted. Like I said, the Bulldogs did a really, really, really good chance of trying to give us the game. And for the most part, the team did try to take it. So, um, yeah, that's the one thing I take away from this. It's a, a quite a mature effort towards the end there. What about yourself? Hey, mate, for me, I just loved Ben Ronk's goal. Um, you know, it, it came at a really pivotal time. So he was the medical sub. He came on for Hickey, and we'll talk about Hickey later on. Um, but I just thought, you know, he, he'd obviously he's been on the fringes uh, for um, you know, a while now. We all know that what he can do. Um, you know, I wonder if he's just been, been out with injuries since he pretty much kicked those seven goals. Oh, that was his debut, so or debut at the MCG. But you know, look, he's he's one of these players that we've we've been wondering. He's basically been kept out of the team because of you know you'd, you'd say Wicks and um, you know some of these upcoming mids that that take that mid forward role. But his goal from the uh, probably wasn't quite fifty, but maybe it was. It was right on the boundary, and he bent it round, and it just it was our second last goal of the game. Um, before Goulden's marched um, 50 from McRae. But, yeah, I just I just thought that was a, a, a brilliant goal, something that, like, you see Isaac Heaney do you know, three or four times mm. a game. But um, well done to Ronk, and I, I hope he can uh, crack on. In terms of the team, I'm with you, mate. I just thought we, we, we just did really well in the second half to get us back within a chance. Um, obviously, it would have been awesome to have pinched it, and I think Horse said that in the conference afterwards, but, yeah, like we we did some things right in the second half, so we can, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, but yeah, that was that was it for me. So I can't really pinpoint one moment of team play. I just thought our general effort in the second half was was better, and it was disappointing to go down like we did in the end. But for all the reasons we've already spoken about, you know, we can probably say yeah, it was a fair result in the end, all, all things considered. Um, all right, mate, up next we're going to do the A-Bob medal, um, which is our equivalent of the Bob Skilton medal. So this week the Bevy's best three were uh, Blakey, Lloyd and Warner. So do you want to kick us off with Blakey, mate? Yeah, Blakey was a shining light throughout the game. Mm. Um, 
Look, he really wasn't able to get going in some spots there. Um, they had, well, not I wouldn't say tagged, but they, they, they knew his game and they were shutting him down a bit, um, putting a bit of pressure on him, not letting him get a run on. He seemed to shake it a little bit and get get going. Um, look, I think as the co- competition learns more about him, they're going to try to do more. Um, mm. They're going to try to reduce his impact. Um, but look, 616 metres gained. Um, you'll go through a couple of the other stats, but I think he yeah did a pretty good job there. 25 disposals, eight rebound 50s, five inside 50s. That's pretty good for a, uh, you know, centre half back or, you know, you know, a, a, a backline winger effectively mm-hmm. just with the running he does. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, this is round three. He's a high high draft pick, came in as a forward, trialled him in the middle wing. Um, we, we It's clear that he's found his um, spot, his feet in, in that backline, dashing off the uh, our defensive 50. And so, yeah, I think your, your comment that teams are going to be doing work on him now is is really um founded well founded and you know it's clear like you know with the amount of pressure they were putting on him as well like that you know um tim english that that bump um we'll touch on that later on but yeah i think that teams are going to be doing that a lot more often because he's 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 actually quite pivotal for us because he's it's not just his dash it's the uh the kicking efficiency you know his um his kicking style is is just beautiful really but um Anyway, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go on to Lloydy because he he's been quiet the first couple of weeks. But yeah, well, how'd you see his game, mate? Yeah, look, it's, it's a tough one for this one because Lloydy did uh, he did look good. He's, he he got high touches. He's always around. Um, it seemed that he made a couple of really clever kicks to go try to go inside towards the center um, when we did get a bit of a rebound going, and the the, the fellas in the centers just couldn't finish it off or had the pressure on them or. We, we buggered it up with a bad kick or, or a bad um, hand pass um, straight thereafter. But he did a pretty good job of kind of settling down the, the game or at least trying to propel the game forward um, mm. uh, throughout the entire game, which is kind of tidy, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, in, um, especially in the second half, I, I, I think 29 disposals, 10 rebounds, which is most in, in the game, um, just the one tackle. I think he's one of the guys that would probably fit into that category of senior players that had a few clangers, and, that, and that's not just been this week, but he's he started the, the year slow. I think he was out with Warner um, Health and Safety Protocol, so he's only played two games this year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think he's warming up. We all know that he's a, a collector um, and a bit of a distributor. But, you know, we want him to be – or not just him, we want the back six or seven to be a bit crisper, um, as, you, as you've as you correctly pointed out. You know, um, it's one thing to to force the turnover, but um, it's another thing to use it well. And, uh, look, I think in the second half he was he was one of the reasons that we got we, – we were able to get back into position for to, to pinch it. Um, I, I think he can play a lot better than he did, but, you know, he was best and fairest last year. He's a, he's, he's a very reliable player. Um, yeah, perhaps he could he – he could increase his defensive effort, but you know, like, you know, maybe he's not there purely for that. You know, mm. everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. So, um, yeah, look, I think he, um, I think he deserves to be there because he he did stand up when when it was needed. Mm. Um, third, now this was it could have gone. Um, it's always harder to find the, find the top three in a in a loss. And when you when you have a win like we did last week, we want to talk about everyone. But um, I think we both agree that Chad Warner. Um, did very well, especially in the second half. But yeah, how would you see his game, mate? Yeah, look, he he seemed the le- least rattled um, from mm. most. Mm. Um, he was definitely getting on with the ball. He did a few really nice things, put some good pressure down, um, some nice tackling. It just he just seemed like he, he he looked really really smart inside there, where a couple of the other players were kind of weren't quite as crisp as normal. 
um, the effort was absolutely there with him. So mm. I think this is probably the third week we've mentioned him in the top five at, at least mm. or mentioned him in the top players of the game. And so him coming up um, third in a game that we lost and in a game that was a little bit disappointing from a few different aspects is maybe telling of where he sits right now, but it's also insanely telling that he is so close to really being that breakout player where we mm. talk about every single week, mm. um, which we effectively are. So, yeah, look, really excited. I love the guy. Um, he does go about it quite well. Um, just got to keep up what he's doing. Yeah, I love his um, his uh, his hunger, right? Like, mm. you know, um, 20 disposals, seven tackles, most as a swan. Um, you know, he, he wasn't putting up with any crap, right? So there was a little bit of niggle throughout, like it was between him and Waitman, him mm. and Dunkley. I think he um, he had a crack at Tom English at one point. So clearly he, um, he, he, he's got no fear. But um, I'm with you, mate. I think that he's even the two games that he's played this year, um, noting that he had that first one out with Lloydie, um, I think he's he's warming up and it, it's looking like he's just he's picking up uh, picking up where he left off last year and and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. I personally think that that him, Mills and Joey might be the the combination to see us through at least until the bye. Um, especially if we come up with it against a team that plays us like the Bulldogs this game, where they just crank it in the uh, the stoppages and the clearances. But we can talk about that later on. Um, honorable mentions, mate. Who else do you think played uh, worthy of a mention? Yeah, look, before I touch on those and before we touch on the next couple of players, I do want to say that Blakey Lloyd, uh, being given you know one and two this week, did have a few clangers. And I think yeah. that's what's, that's a description of the entire team for the week. Would you be fair in saying that? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is that across the board, from, the, from top down, we were just a bit flat weren't mm. quite as sharp as we should be. We only needed to turn it on that extra 5%, 10%, and then we would have been absolutely blasting them out of the park. So a lot of good takeaways from this. Look, honourable mention, I'd probably say the McCartan brothers. I love the way they were going yep. about it. They yep. did really well. Um, like I said, I think they stopped a lot of um, good uh, possession in really dangerous places. Obviously, they led in a couple, but, um, yeah, from for the most part, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, look, I'll just add to that. Like Tommy had a few clangers in that first quarter, but really mm. bounced back in second, third, fourth, and was really like they work so well together, don't they? Mm. Really, like so. If Tommy's holding the the key forward, then Paddy will you know leave his peel off and then come in and intercept and vice versa. Um, you know, they're they're still working it out. You know, as we said, it's kind of like they're, it's an experience back six and seven, but they're still trying to find their feet and gel. But yeah, the the McCartan brothers are yeah they're. It's fantastic, isn't it? Um, anyone else, mate? Uh, probably say Heaney was okay. Um, he did a couple of you know, really great, skillful things, but I'd, I'd even go so far as to say that he kind of seemed the most shell-shocked. But, yeah, um, yeah look, he continued to do good things. He, he was busting around pretty hard. Um, he was really going at the ball um, as hard as he could, um, take putting some good tackles on people, um, getting physical, trying to – do something to lift the team. Uh, I think that that was that was apparent. It wasn't the most um, sharpest game by him, but he, he definitely was doing his thing. And I think the consistency with Heaney is um, is really good week in week out. Yeah, I mean the the one thing that was probably missing from his game this year, uh, the, this round, um, was the multiple goals. Right, so hmm. um, I think he on the kick one right. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, he, he certainly didn't kick five. So I think that's the thing, you know, we judge him pretty harshly when he doesn't kick a bag as a mid forward. But, um, you know, he's, he's still doing some pretty good things out there. For me, mate, I think, look, Goulden, he wasn't as prominent. Uh, and they, no one was really um, as we played in the first and second round. But he was still doing some very smart things, um, active around the ground. I actually think him and Franklin were in the third quarter especially, and probably more so Franklin. I even think maybe Buddy played better against the Bulldogs than he did in his 1,000 game, even though he kicked four and, you know, it was an amazing night. But you know, I just think his um, general field play, like he was working so hard. Like he, he would often be in the back pocket trying to trying to make things go, you know, because he's got that beautiful field kick. But, uh, yeah, I think that Goulden and Franklin combined really well to one another. Um, and I think those two guys, uh, you know, did enough and had, had really good effort, um, def- definitely worthy of a mention at this point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I, I mentioned uh, the Chad and Heaney last week of always kind of seemingly looking for each other in a way. Like they always... Mm-hmm. They start a game, all, all the timings, they, they just seem to see where each other are. It feels like the Gordon Franklin combo is also a, a bit of a thing. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. no stats to back it up with, just um, <laughs> the iPub test, but yep, yep. it feels that way. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty exciting for such a young player to have such a good um, gel with the, the, the modern great is great. Hey, what is he, 19? Come on. Yeah, is unreal. All right, mate. Um, next section is uh, hot topics. So we're gonna just have a bit of a general chat about um, everything. You know how we pulled up after the match, any MRO, what changes will we make, uh, what happened in the VFL. So I'll kick us off with Hickey's medial. So that was confirmed as a six-week injury, and oh. the club. Yep. The sorry you. No, I was just freaking out. That's yeah, I know. It's a big loss. It's a big loss considering the the clearance effort that, you know, he's really been one of our most solid midfielders for, you know, a year and three rounds now. So mm. um, minus the, the PCL when he was out for a couple of weeks. They're saying that it probably isn't going to be like that and it's definitely going to be an extended period. So, you know, silver lining is that that, that Petey Boy Laddams comes in now and makes his debut for the Swans. That's already been confirmed. Yeah. He had a pretty good game against, um, you know, the Suns in the VFL. He had 24 hitouts, 17 disposals, four tackles and a goal after an interrupted preseason. So, look, I think this is um, – it's obviously fortuitous. It's a, it's a lucky break for him. Um, but it's one of the, he's one of the, one of the reasons we chased him so hard. You know, Hickey has been a revelation, but you know he he does come with um, some banged up knees, and um, you know we're we're lucky to, especially with Naismith out. Um, you know, and, and we obviously have um, we're blessed with uh, ruck forward options. McLean, Amadi, um, yeah, at a pinch. Pr- probably Paddy McCartan could go in there. You know, um, we've got Sam Reed; he can do that. So look, I'm. I'm pretty stoked for. I'm disappointed for Hickey, but um, I'm I'm really keen to see how Laddams is going to go this week. Yeah, and and as we talked back about last week, didn't we? We said, how do we get uh, Laddams in? Like, what, yeah. what, what kind of place is he going to take? And we, we suggested maybe a Logan. He comes in for that. It turns out Logan Lee gets out, and Amadi is the first option. Yeah. Um, but now that Laddams getting the opportunity, I think we're all kind of excited to see what he can do. And I, I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I'm not expecting him to turn into a hickey overnight. Mm. Um, but I think I don't think there's much of a question about how much talent that he has for a young player. 
so I just want to I want him to get, get out there, put on a good game, be solid, um, do the right things, um, and just try to keep the spot for the next week, you know, and just keep doing what he needs to do to make it happen. Mm. Um, best I'm keen to is, see his tank, you know. I want to want to see if yeah. he can really get around the ground. Um, well, that's, it, that's, that's interesting because I, I was actually going to say the Amadi's tank wasn't entirely there, and I don't, mm. I don't know whether that's to do with his groin and he couldn't quite get the work in, but, mm. yeah, that seemed to definitely be something that was lacking. First week back, you know, it is tough. And mm. he did, you know, like I think Amadi, he's that kind of player that would, I mean, like any player really, like you, after a, an interrupted preseason as well, you probably need a couple of weeks to get back into it. But yep. look, yep. Juzzy is sounding, Juzzy McInerney sounding like he's fit. Uh, but, but um, you know, so long as there's no further setbacks this week. Um, but Tommy Papley is still a week away. So, you know, Laddam's in for Hickey. Um, if Juzzy is a lock to come back in, then you know who's who's on the tr- who do we who makes way? I think Stevens jumps out. Um, okay, a couple of weeks there that wasn't um he's done he's done his thing. He had a couple of good weeks actually. Mm. Um, last game wasn't great. wasn't great by many of them. <laughs> so, mm. but I think that's just makes that's just the position that makes a bit of a bit of sense. I think. Mm. I mean, Ronk came in as a medical sub, so he might be first one out. Do you sit mm. Wicks down to say, listen, mate, we we really didn't need that, you know, that last, um, you know, fifty meter. But you know, it wasn't really his fault. He was already committed to the air, and and bloody Keith played for it. I mean, on that Wicks, you told us earlier, he, he's getting two thousand for striking, um, yeah. two thousand early plea, low impact, high contact. I thought that was a bit dramatic, but. Um, I don't know, maybe, you know, I know a lot of Swans fans, um, there's this whole school of thought out there that Wicks shouldn't be in the team, but I, I disagree with that. I think he's a genuine role player um, and I think he does his job well, but maybe he's one of the guys. Um, if Logan comes back in, because he kicked four goals, took eight marks and 17 disposals in a pretty obvious uh, sort of um, statement saying, you know, put me back up in the seniors, hmm. does, does the party come back out? Does McLean have a rest? What's the balance you go with there? Look, touching on the Wicks bit, I, I, I kind of, I've not necessarily subscribed to the fact that he needs to jump out just because he's not kicking goals every week. Mm. Um, but this week in particular, I mean, we all played, they all played ordinarily, but this week was, what, three um, uh, frees against, uh, four clangers, um, four touches, um, how many tackles did he have? Four tackles. So, you know, typically okay with the tackles as he normally is. He's kind of trying to get the pressure on. That's his, that's his position. Yeah. But yeah, maybe he does need to sit that week off to just cool him down a bit and just go, look, you know, you, you, you kind of seem hot headed. Get down there, you know, do your craft and come back up again. I think he's a player that we do see in, in, in the game for a little while for us. Um, mm. But, hey, so, do you reckon Ronk holds, or do we bring in someone like Gussie Sheldrick or Matty Roberts get his debut? Because yeah. they both had fairly good games against the Suns. Matty Roberts had thirty-one disposals, five clearances. Gussie had twenty-three disposals, seven tackles, and a goal. Look, um, the, the whole controversy with Wicks, you can multiply by ten, and that's Ronk controversy with the, the Swans fans. Like, I think there's a lot of Swans fans that do expect Ronk to be kicking the seven like he get, did against the Hawks every <laughs> single week, and that's what he's meant to be doing. And even him to kick one a, a game is is decent considering what that's what we need. It's the it's the style of play, it's the pressure on the ball is what we need. Sheldrick was doing that really well week one. Mm-hmm. Um I think personally that Ronk is a very good player. He's got speed. He's got good tackle, good football brain. He can kick a goal. So maybe he just needs more time in. 
if it's between those two, um, Ronk and Sheldrick, I struggle so hard to consider who I would bring in. I wouldn't mm. know. I'd have, I'd have to flip a coin. One is a player that I think is going to have a long, long career in the AFL, but that's also we know he's going to have a long, long career in the AFL. And so I don't necessarily think speeding him through the process is necessarily the way to go, whereas I would like to see Ronk have another opportunity for him to hold the position. Mm. Um, I look at those um, small forward positions similar to the problem that we'd had with the backs for a little while there. There was a little, well, a couple of years ago, we had um, Amati, had, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? Um, Melikin. Melikin, thank you. Um, had Aliyah Leah, and I kind of felt like they were all kind of keeping themselves out of the game. Whoever was playing the best kind of kept that position. That's the kind of, that's the way I see that extra small forward role. Um this year in Sheldrick, Ronk, Wicks. Um, probably Sheether as well you could she, throw in there. Probably Sheether will have a crack at it at some point. Yeah, so there's a lot a lot of competition there in the small fours as well as the talls. So, um, and I think we, from what I saw this week, I would like to see more smalls out there. So, mm. hey, maybe we there's two of them. We're definitely missing a Papley. We're missing a Papley like no one's business. Yeah, we just we, we need to we need to make sure we get um more goals really than mm. nine. But um more opportunities at goal, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um is it time to put Joey back in the middle? I mean, look, I, I personally probably would have thrown like I know that he did run through there. I can't remember if it was second or third quarter. Um, but I just kind of get the feeling like we I think we all agree that he plays better on the wing than at back. Mm. Um but it's I mean, he plays amazingly in the middle as well. Like I think we're making room for these up and coming mids, right? We've been saying that for the past couple of weeks, but you know, Ollie had a quiet game, Rowie had a fairly quiet game, the Chad was good, you know. So like I'm not saying drop these guys, definitely not, you know, because they, you know, we all had a I think that everyone had a bit of an off night. But like I just think when push comes to shove and we're getting beaten off the ball, put Joey back on the ball. What do you think about that? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I think that's kind of what what Horse would be thinking as well. Maybe mm. this week was was one of those weeks was like, look, it kind of seems too far beyond us, so let's just keep to our style. Mm. Um, I, I don't think Horse is the kind of guy who to, who wouldn't play to win. Um, oh, definitely not at no. any moment. You know, he would yeah. do absolutely everything we can to win all the way through the game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, like I, one part of me thinks, yeah, look, we we, we you know we get. Joey back in there, he definitely has the goods. But maybe the structure of the game is of what we want doesn't include him necessarily um, mm. full time in there. Maybe it's just, and, and maybe that's what you're suggesting that you know, we pop him in for you know two quarters at a time, just when we kind of need that kind of extra impact. It's um, it's really about that. So uh, the other thing that Swans fans, have, or I think most AFL fans, will uh, you yeah, have gripes about, especially when you lose, is not having a plan B when you when you're getting beaten so badly mm-hmm. as as we did in the first half against the Bulldogs. Even though you know if we'd kicked yeah at slightly more efficiency, it would have been a different story. Um, but you know. When, I think a horse has been criticised over the journey for not having a, a better plan B. And it, last year seemed to be the first time in a very long time um, that that we was, you know, I think Swans fans were like, oh, wow, we've got a plan B, you know, we're doing short kicks, we're working the corridor, we're getting inside 50s, we're really efficient. And I think a lot of that was Don Pike, Don yeah. Pike's, um, you know, presence and his, his game style. And he, Don Pike's still there. 
um, and we're a second year in and we're, we're honing that. But, yeah, I think this was one of those games where, you know, some Swans fans were starting to criticise that we didn't have a plan B. And I just – I personally probably would have thrown Joey in there um, a bit earlier to try and nullify some of that heat from the dogs. But – yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, in that imp- in, for, look, using la- this week as an e- as the example, if we're going to use that specifically um, and talk about it, I would say that it didn't necessarily matter that that impact. It, 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 we were getting hands to the ball, we were just misusing it, um, and that was everyone. So I don't I don't necessarily think that Joey being in the centres would have done a whole lot for us. I think, but Joey being in the centres for the right matchup with them hard contested ball. Let's look at like a Blues the way that they're playing at the moment. I think that would make sense. Put your best in there and, and your biggest, strongest people on those guys because we lost some contested possessions, people. mate, by twenty four. Like that's yeah. that's his game, contested I possessions. Know, but so it's also all the other players' game. Like that's mm. what we, that's what the Swans. That's what those mids in the first two games are good at. So mm. I don't giving them an opportunity to to do that, yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, the, look, I just think it's a talking point. I know that um, some Swans fans, you know, it's you know from the beginning of the year, you know, seeing Joey in a position anything other than midfield. We've been t- you and I've been talking about it for the past three, two two weeks. So um, yeah, I just it's worthwhile having a look at that. Um, you know, Millsy had a good game, but he probably wasn't as prevalent as he had been in rounds one and two. So if Millsy's not, you know, taking that that heat as the key midfielder that can either run with or break clear. Um, and Chad, you know, he's still young and developing really. And Parker, we need to kind of run forward and actually kick goals for us, but was somewhere awkwardly between the mids and the and the forwards. Mm. Um, but like Heaney probably didn't have um, too much of an influence in this game. Mm. And yeah, I like especially with Juzzy, if Juzzy comes back in, is you Juzzy's you prefer Juzzy as a um, on the halfback, don't you? Rather than the wing? No, I, I actually prefer him on the wing. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I like his 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 swing on. I, I like the way that he goes. He, he goes on the wing. I think he puts. Uh, he seems to know where the ball's going, so he's kind of he gets himself there first. He's one of the hardest runners in the team. Um, I like him on the wing. Yeah. Fair call. So, all right, Wicks, we mentioned earlier, $2,000 fine for striking Keith. Mm. Tim English, on the other hand, got off scot-free for that Blakey <laughs> knock. So, you know, there's that. Um, I think you've got a couple of other things to mention here, mate. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of um, – look, we've got some good news in the Swans community. Uh, we've had um, super Swans super fans, Imogen and Soslin Jep, uh, Joe the wife guy now, um they're both prevalent on twitter they got married i think today and uh swans hq had been fantastic enough to send them a signed buddy boot as a wedding gift uh which <laughs> awesome. is just great and that's on uh twitter if you go looking for it and uh, so congratulations to them now uh, it's a big day and i hope they have a fantastic one buddy beautiful the mate buddy boot <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to those guys <laughs> Yeah. Look, a couple of other cool things that we definitely have to talk about in Swans community news would be Kenny is good and well, celebrating his 93rd birthday yesterday. Um, he got up, uh, got around some of his merchandise behind red and white, and he gave us all a message. Um, so he seems to be good. So good to see him uh, getting out there. Hopefully he can come out to a game at some point, um, give the boys a bit of riling up. But, yeah, happy birthday, Kenny. Awesome. And, um, yeah, look, uh, while I was at the game on Thursday, I actually messaged the Marty party and caught up with them and I had a quick interview with them, some of those boys. So 
shout out to the Amati party, good fellas. Um, they were having a good time. Um, the prediction at half time by one of the boys was that the Swans would win by sixty, um, <laughs> and Amati would kick the winning goal somehow. I don't know how the math pulls together, but they were they're good characters, really, really nice, um, and seemed to be in good spirit. And we're trying to find any opportunity to to get a cheer out, so that was good. Awesome, mate. All right, well, uh, we're up to the end now, so we're going to go on to one last thing. Um, obviously, we've got the ruse next week and we'll release the uh, the preview during the week when we have teams announced. But uh, I don't think it'll be easy. Have you got any early thoughts, mate? I've got concerns because, as an example, just so everyone has a bit of context, Noddy and I sit in the O'Reilly stand with what we've deemed the O'Reilly rabble. What Noddy is <laughs> the O'Reilly rabble, a bunch of us that all sit together and, and have a good time. We're all mates. Um, most are dads at this point, uh, and uh, they're all bringing their kids this week because <laughs> it's a it's a day game and also it's against North, and so they're not expecting much of competition. Now, that's got me concerned because we don't play great against the bad teams, um, and yeah. I really hope that Horse and the coaching staff rile up this team to – to let them know that this is a game where we need to answer, we need to bounce back. Yeah, what definitely. Yeah, same, mate. Like the Ruse got trounced against the Lions. Mm. Um, and as you said, they beat West Coast in round two and that was the uh, the Waffle All-Star team. <laughs> um, and then they got beaten by Hawks, who I thought were on a similar level, but the Hawks have then since played some pretty good footy against mm. some other opponents. So, look, they've got a lot to make up for like a 100-point loss last week. And we obviously – we had a bit of a reality check, I think, against the Bulldogs after the, the emotional high after Buddy's 1,000. So, both team's got a, a plenty to to you know um play for um yeah look i i just think that um it won't be easy especially you know i th- really keen to see how laddams goes obviously um goldie's in there um um sherry is an up-and-coming ruck as well so it's going to be a really hard battle in the middle i think you know that they've got a lot of high draft picks they've just you know they're bringing it together under noble so mm. yeah i i uh I'm nervous about this one, but um, I should hopefully be a pretty good day. How about Harps in the chat, the Savo mate? He's like, we're still getting it on it, aren't we, boys? <laughs> like, it's because everyone's teeing up, bringing their kid and everything. So. I don't know how that, that's obviously a G up because, what, the kids are like uh, two, four. Uh, like, I mean, little pluggers or little buddies, nine months. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's, like, uh, <laughs> he's going to be having a, you know, a couple of – uh, I don't see like I don't see any of these guys getting beers after the game because they, they I don't th- I don't see them finishing off the game with the with the toddler in hand so yeah I think I think the, the, the maybe the biggest battle that's going to happen would be between the toddlers being hungry and need to go to the bathroom in the O'Reilly stand I think that's where the, the main battle might be happening yeah definitely I'll just finish off with my um, a, a little bit of a section best worst memory against the ruse so. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to focus on the worst, and that was losing the 1996 grand final against North Melbourne. Um, we went down there together as a family. Um, had you know, we're down there for a couple of days. There was a, all that fanfare, that build up. You know, it obviously had been you know a couple of. I think it was six decades by then um, that, the, that you know the Swans or South uh, hadn't won a flag. Uh, obviously, the drought break it, it came later in in two thousand five, but um, yeah, look, that was amazing. But I'll have I will never forget. Um, the the young 
North fan whose face was painted Harlequin with one of those court jester blue and white hats just flipping me several birds on the way out saying, you know, piss off back to New South Wales. But uh, so that's my worst memory of against the Roos. So hopefully it can be a little better than that. And, uh, yeah, we come out and we, we give them hell. But, um, yeah, fingers <laughs> the, crossed. The Bloods of Old, Ashley, on Twitter posted something. Um, it was 20 years ago. Um uh, after the, the after the bell, they cop, uh, North cocked a, cocked a, um, a free kick, um, and uh, yeah, Darren Crossbell kicked the winner after the bell. Uh, we were three behind to finish it off. That was pretty tidy. So that probably goes down as one of the better moments against North. So hey, hopefully we 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 get through this one without too much of a problem. Definitely, mate. Nice one. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. So on behalf of the Bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much to everyone for listening in. Tune in again on Thursday night for our team's announcement video and preview post. Otherwise, make sure to keep following us on Instagram and Facebook at a Bevy of Bloods for updates and announcements. Until then, up the Bloods and can you Swannies. You.